Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Oi. The boys and girls on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and frankly appalling language. And sometimes the tales can get quite adult in nature. So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around. And thank you for listening. Oh, let's go! Booty, booty. It's time to get this party started. Booty, booty. It's time to get this party started. You know that we are the number one show. So grab your fucking bitch and now it's time to go. Cause it's the booty booty. It's time to get this party started. It's the booty booty. It's time to get this party started. With Danny, Jimmy, Gregor, and the Jimmy, JC. All we know and all we talk about is booty booty. It's time to get this party started tonight. It is Funny Primer Podcast, a bonus edition for you this Thursday. I'm James Sharman. Jimmy Brennan's here. Craig Forrest. Amy Walsh is here. Dan Wong, JC is here. How's it going, everyone? You good? Awesome. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it. A uh, special guest today, uh, a friend of the show. Um, he's probably been on actually more than any other guest, actually, I think. And uh, it's very fitting given what's happened the last number of, uh, of days. It's been a good few days, I think, for Canadian football, which you don't get to say too often these days. Uh, CONCACAF president, FIFA vice president, Victor Montagliani. Vic, welcome back to the show. How you doing? Oh, thank you. Great to be back and looking forward to that coveted pen I get maybe as the most, you know. It's a mug, actually. Yeah. Is it a mug? Okay, yeah. yeah so I'm looking yeah. forward to that. <laughs> um, all right, let's get right into it. My, my, my first question is probably the most important one, Vic. Um, how did Johnny Infantino convince you that he was going to wear that safari outfit on Sunday <laughs> and not you? <laughs> Yeah, I was a little shocked in the morning, I have to be honest, when, he, when we said, let's go casual. I go, tie? No tie. Um, but uh, I kind of went smart casual, and he he wanted to do that, and all the best. <laughs> I think he's brave. I think he's a brave man. So, uh, you know, and uh, so, uh, but yeah, I'll leave it at that. Let's put it that I way. Think it was a I, I, think, I think if he pulled the hood up, he'd look like a Care Bear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, listen, you know what? Uh, he's never been, uh, he's never lacked courage, Johnny, for many, many things, including a lot of good things. So, you know, but uh, hey, you know what? People wear what they want to wear. So, <laughs> yep. I, yeah. I couldn't imagine Sepp Ladder wearing that. So that's a good thing, right? Johnny's that's true, uh, actually. That's true. Progressive. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Canada gets 13 matches for the 2026 World Cup, same as Mexico. Um, Vic, was that always, always the ideal number? for Canada was it much going back and forth with the uh, the committees you know it was uh well first we were at 10 with the 80 games and then obviously once we went to 104 uh we were in the mix for more you know the reality is uh with, with two venues you can only play so many games on the pitch anyway right you got to look at pitch management right you can't play every day on the pitch you have to give it a minimum time of uh rest right so that the grass can you know come back um, it was always an agreement that the quarterfinals on would be in the U.S., so that was clear. So the best we were ever going to hope for was around the 16 in our country, and we got that. Um, and uh, so I think we've pretty, you know, we maxed out on what we could get. You know, when you put all those factors into play, they're going to put natural grass in the BC plays, obviously, uh, yeah. and, and the pressure on that. Will there will 
you, is there guarantees that, that that pitch will survive? And what are they going to do when they're not playing on it? Like, is there going to how, how are they going to work that? And will they get enough light? And yeah, so the technology for the grass going into 2026, and actually we've used it in other World Cups as well, even as even in 2018. It's not so when you see a one game where you know somebody's playing a, a two European clubs in the summer, that technology is usually a pallet technology. They come in, they put the pallets together, you know, Man City plays, uh, you know, Celtic, and uh, away you go. Those pallets are gone, but that grass stacks is dead. It's not alive. That mm -hmm. grass will only last three days, four days. This is live grass. So the grass we're going to put into every stadium pretty much, not just BC Place, every NFL stadium, um, is going to be live grass as if it was installed from day one. So the field gets raised, irrigation, lighting, air, that grass is live as if it was Wembley. So wow. no issues at all. The technology is so good that you can grow that kind of grass in an indoor stadium. Now, all of our stadiums are not are indoor, but they all can open up. So that'll help. And then you got hydroponics, you got all this technology. So I have absolutely no doubt that the pitches will be taught. Yeah. I well, think coming from British Columbia, you definitely know about hydro. No, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, we definitely know about hydro and hydroponics as well. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't it Detroit in 94, the first time that they actually Pallet. used pellets? Pallet. And they were octagon shaped, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. And we used it, you know, it's used all the time. And, you know, the tech, even the pallet technology has come a long way. I remember a game here. I don't know if some of you remember that when Man City came, when that Balotelli was on the team. And it was at Empire. Uh, and they brought it in the pallet. It was a disaster because it rained. The field was shocking. And because it's dead. Yeah. So there's no water that comes through, right? So it's come a long way. And, you know, uh, obviously we'll, we'll be in good shape when we get to 26 because most of those – installations will happen we'll start late 25 early 26 so you're going to have a good runway of growing it right and then getting their roots and all that stuff jimmy how the hell did you know that what's that that 94 was when it was first first that was right. first used in the pontiac silver dome that's something right, yeah. yeah that was amazing that jimmy knew that that's all yeah. so i'm really impressed well done jimmy <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so the buzz begins now. It's exciting. Obviously, two and a bit years to go. I mean, are you confident that Copper Can is going to step up now? Because we've been waiting for a while to see that evidenced, and we haven't quite seen it just yet. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I can I can comfortably say that all of us uh, on this call are, you know, veterans of Canadian soccer. <laughs> And I have the scars, maybe. Um, but, you know, we've also had uh, some good years as well. Let's not forget that. And a lot of good people. And I think we sometimes forget that. Um, I think, you know, there has been a corporate community that has stepped up, and we have to thank them, uh, the current sponsors and all that stuff. But I think if you take corporate Canada as a whole, I think your, your, your comment is right, James. I think you know, I said this in Toronto, We our sport has never been a sport of institutions, right, unlike other countries. Um, we've been a sport of really immigrants. Um, and it's been an immigrant sport, and we've had to scrap and claw for everything we got. You know, we are not the, the sport on Parliament Hill or in the legislature and on Bay Street or House Street. We just haven't been that. That's starting to change. Um, I mean, the CEO of CIBC is a footballer that played in the National League for Toronto Metro Croatia. I've never heard of that in my life before in Canada. So you're starting to see the change of that. And I hope that the lead up to this uh, World Cup in 26 will put some fuel into that. And so that it, I think it could be the tipping point of our sport becoming now the sport within the hallways that it needs to become. I hope I hope that it is because not only from a, a corporate standpoint, but from everything that surrounds the sport, you were president back when Canada hosted the Women's World Cup yeah. in, in 2015, right? And so yeah. from your own experience and, and learnings at the time, because I believe that we missed the boat on, on capitalizing on the momentum from that tournament, which was really well received. It was seen as a resounding yeah. success. So what have you learned, like now that you're sort of 
away from Canada soccer and in your in your roles at the Confederation with FIFA, what can Canada do differently this time around in order to ride that wave of momentum and maybe shift that perception a little bit about the sport? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think 2015, we were a little early in the ballgame as it relates to the women's game. We were really the first World Cup that really sold tickets, uh, transcended the gender, right? The Women's World Cup to 2015 was only the Women's World Cup. It was not the World Cup, right? Uh, but 2015 was the first one. We, we broke ticket sales. You saw people walking around, whether they were male or female, wearing jerseys of players. Uh, it was the first one. And because we were the first one, I think we were not, as we as a not just Canadian soccer, but as a sport, able to really um, uh, take advantage of that. And I, I'll give you an example. When we bid for the 2015 Women's World Cup, we were the only bidder. Okay? The only bidder. Um, I think Zimbabwe bid, but... You know, with all due respect to Zimbabwe, they, they pulled out, but they didn't have a bid. They had a piece of paper saying we wanted to host it. They didn't actually put a bid together. After the world saw what we did in 2015, to your point, Amy, in 2019, you had eight bidders for the 2019 that went to France. 2023, you had six bidders that went to Australia. Now there's, a, you know, uh, not only three bidders, but three co-hosts for the mm -hmm. Women's World Cup in 27. Because now the football world, not just the corporate world, is going, hey, 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 this is a, a great event. It's not just, you know, ticking the box here that we have a Women's World Cup. It's now 2015, and this is what I'm most proud of, showed the world what we did in Canada, that, you know, there's viability, sustainability, outside of on the pitch, outside the pitch as well. And so, the reality is we weren't in a position to really do anything from a corporate standpoint. And, and to be honest, you know, the corporate world, sometimes they'll say a lot of great things publicly, but when you close the door and go ask them for money, not always there. Um, and, um, you know, I, I know that's always been a challenge here in our country, both on the male and female side. Um, and, uh, but I think that's starting to change, uh, starting to change uh, with the work of a lot of people and a lot of stakeholders, whether it be the leagues, or whether it be uh, even Canada soccer by hosting certain events um, and, and stuff like that. So um, I think now is a bigger opportunity to do that, to change the sort of vernacular of how we discuss these events. Yeah. Is it Vic, I wanna, go, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, Jimmy. Vic, I wanted to ask a question just specifically about you. You've, you've been with CONCACAF now for, for seven years. You've taken an, uh, an organization that at one point was struggling. There was a lot of corruption going on behind the scenes to a billion-dollar organization. Competition has been great in CONCACAF. Now more teams are playing more games than they've ever played. We've got a training facility now that's coming into the Dominican Republic. It seems that all countries are working together. You've brought a World Cup to, to North America. To date, what is your proudest accomplishment? On a personal level? On a personal level. That I can still on a Friday morning walk in and play five-a-side footy with my buddies. <laughs> Actually, you know, all joking aside, that I still get to spend time with my mom and dad and, and, you know, trying to balance that. But, you know, from a football perspective, I think, listen, you're right. We were uh, financially bankrupt. The CONCACAF literally had no money. We were morally bankrupt. That's an obvious. Just watch Netflix. Uh, and then uh, – and then from a football, we were really bankrupt. We had no women's programs, like zero. Yeah. We're about to embark on a women's gold cup in whatever, 10 days or whatever it is. We have a women's nations league. Uh, we sent six teams to the women's world cup. Those teams didn't even play football when I became president. That went to the world cup, right? On the men's side, as you guys know, uh, it was like trying to, you know, you played three games a year, right? unless you were U.S. and Mexico, who played 40 in a 40 in a four-year period. Now everybody plays football. You see players coming from all over the world, knocking on countries' doors, saying, hey, my grandfather used to, you know, lived in, you know, has a passport from St. Lucia or whatever. So there's been a big burgeoning. And for me, let me tell you that one of the proudest moments I ever had as a CONCACAF president was the very first Nations League game. I went to Montserrat, the smallest country in the world. So I went there, I went to watch Montserrat Belize. Montserrat, in the previous eight years, I think played two games, okay? They had no, no real team. 
So now they have the Nations League. They've got a whole kind of like portfolio of games coming up. They play their first home game. And it's in the most romantic stadium I've ever been in. Romantic in the li- literature's standpoint, Jimmy. Not the other romance. Right? <laughs> and, 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 were, and, were you watching the game with Fabio? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> and, and so when I, so you come up on this bluff or on top of the Caribbean seas below you. You know, it's obviously warm. You have a little grandstand, almost like Swan Guard, if you guys remember the Swan Guard, about 1,500. And uh, and the pitch was like Wembley, man. It was unbelievable pitch, right? So Montserrat kicks off, plays Belize. Guy hits a screamer in the 85th minute. Left footer, Jimmy Brennan versus Austria, right in the corner, right? Brilliant, brilliant strike. The, pres- the prime minister of the country and the president of the federation turn around and are bawling their eyes out. You have 3,500 people in the stadium, which is 80% of the country. Right. 80% of the country. Wow. And they were going crazy. And, and it was like, I'm like, wow. Like, it's one thing going to the World Cup and seeing Messi, whatever. But seeing the smallest country in the world and people crying because they want a football match, mate. It was like, I go, okay, you're making a difference, Right. And then I got honorary Montserratian citizenship the next day before I let went. <laughs> what does that get you? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, maybe that's the proudest moment because you go, you get so involved in your day-to-day work, but you're going, wow, you know what? Football makes a difference in people's lives. It really does. Right. And, and sometimes we forget that, quite frankly. We say get so involved with, you know, ancillary issues. Um, I think it's that was probably one of my most proudest moments. Right. You, you mentioned those well moments uh, last night in Hamilton Champions Cup, yeah. the, the rebranded cool. Champions Cup. Uh, it, it looked yeah. great. It looked great on TV, which maybe we'll get to in a little bit. Um, but the energy looked fantastic. Now, I don't know how many Forge fans were there compared to Tigres fans. Uh, but regardless, we, we're seing that domestic league, that confederation. Guadalajara fans. Chivas. Yeah. Chivas. Chivas, yeah, Chivas. Yeah. What did I say, Tigres? Oh, that's Tigres. Vancouver. Sorry. Yeah. That's Vancouver. Tigres was in uh, Vancouver. Yeah, Vancouver. Vancouver. That, yeah. that was yeah. a good game, by the way. Nice they were both good games. Well, why 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 Today's can't. Thursday, Sharms. Yeah, is it? Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate that. Jeez. <laughs> but no, but my point being, though, though, I mean, the energy in the stadium looked fantastic. It shows how far that, that tournament's coming along as well. Um, you, like the the, the way, you like the new anthem? I didn't hear it. I'll be completely honest with you. Oh, you got it. Man, it's awesome. I'm not even into that stuff. So we hired, we got the uh, we got the producer of the Rolling Stones, and he actually is the guy that composed the new anthem for the Champion, Champions Cup. It's awesome. So it's like yeah. the music that's playing when the teams walk out. Yeah, yeah. Bah, bah, bah. It's awesome. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> no, no, no. Is it better than? Is it better than I'm not even voices? into that stuff. But I was like pumped. Like I was walking around the house yesterday, going. Vic, you're a natural. What are yeah, we talking yeah. about? You're a natural. Yeah. So it's, it's better than uh, the Champions League in Europe's. I like it better. It, it's totally modern, and and it takes because our big thing is epic battles, right? Because the hardest. Uh, club championship to win in the world in terms of the most winners has been ours since 1962. Yeah. It's a hard trophy to win. Very hard. It's hard to qualify for and it's very difficult to win. We have, we never rarely have a repeat champion. Rarely. Well, well, it's harder now, right? More teams, there's more money at stake as well. Um, What was the main reason for the rebrand? It's clearly it's worked in the early going. You know, a couple things. Obviously, when you, when I say Champions League, what do you think of? Yeah, Europe. Yeah. Right. So you wanted some distinguished. We used to call it the Champions Cup, right? And to be honest with you, because we're a quadrilingual confederation, but mainly bilingual, uh, Spanish and and English, when you translate Champions Cup to Spanish, it sounds brilliant. Copa de Campeones. Mm. Oh. Oh. Copa like de Campeones. Right. Sound good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like good. Right? I, I have yeah. a question about branding. Yeah. How come the women's gold cup is pink? Is it actual <laughs> pink? Yep. Yeah. Isn't it rose? Rose, I rose. Thought it was not rose, rose. Rose gold. Pink, no? Rose. Yeah. I mean, if we're yeah, into semantics, I, Victor. It, yeah. You know, I, honestly, I, I, I don't know. But listen, we'll uh, listen. Send, send an email and saying, listen, change it. To <laughs> I will me, send a very tersely worded branding, email. I will send it to the branding department. So. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 
we were talking we we're just talking about uh the CONCACAF matches from last night which were yeah. very very well received and excellent matches um but there's been issues in Canada obviously and I know you're a big champion of Canada soccer what insight do we get with all of a sudden last week we reported that one soccer was closing Mm. Uh, CPL and One Soccer were at each other's necks uh, on going to court lawsuits. A week later, One Soccer has all of CONCACAF on. And people, what am I to make of this? Or what can we make from this? Is there any insight that, because CONCACAF obviously has a contract with Media Pro and they're fulfilling that contract throughout this, this tournament? Yeah, absolutely. And I, no, I, I think they've worked out, you know, their own issues. I, I mean, when they're ready to announce that, they'll announce it, I guess. But, you know, it's, um, you know, listen, I think, um, you know, um, whatever issues they have between themselves, I'm sure they'll resolve it. Um, you know, for us, it was important to show the game in Canada. So that was done. Um, and listen, you know, uh, the media industry, and you guys know this as well as I do, or better than anybody, it's really changing and there's a lot more um adversarial positions taken by a lot of broadcasters with their properties and i can tell you it's happened even at concacaf right now it hasn't ever gone public but you know things that you would have never heard of a broadcaster taking that position 20 years ago now they're a little bit more there's so much competition um you know there is not the money that there used to be for 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 some of that stuff um, you know, so maybe some of it, some of the, some of the sort of uh, uh, characters out there, you know, thought something was worth X, and now it's not worth X, uh, and they're going, well, hold on here, how do we, uh, how do we rejig this? It's happening all over the world, you know, and and in some ways, to be honest with you, <laughs> and maybe I'm a little different. When I saw that, I go, oh, we've arrived in Canada. We're actually having a fucking scrap. Oh, sorry. <laughs> We're actually having a scrap between uh, broadcasters and football. All right. Well, it's because, interesting. Because <laughs> broadcasters never give a shit about our sport. Right. Sport. And it's, in, yeah. it, it's so you know, Vic, so last I night. I look at it in a different way. Yes. Those things always get resolved. Not, yeah, and it, it's interesting because it. I was talking to Amy this morning and Craig this morning. God, we talk a lot, eh, guys? Um, <laughs> we're in each other's I brains. I've seen you again. Um, but we were talking about TSN and Sportsnet. Someone had made the comment that there was not one article about where the match could be found on either of those websites. And I said, guys, these, these are the opportunities for Footy Prime, for the partners of Footy Prime, for anyone who wants to get information, follow us. And all of these things are opportunity for our team who are so well connected and having, and like, that's why we thank you so much for jumping on with us because honestly, it's our relationships that keep us going. And it's your sales pitch, right? Well, no, no. Well, when we have a CONCACAF no, fueled and focused podcast, then we'll talk. Listen, <laughs> I, I've always been clear with all of you guys. Anytime you guys need anything, I mean, you got three people that have worn our jersey and you have a, you know, a legendary broadcast and then you got, you buddy that's in your bedroom there like what's going on <laughs> stop, um, stop it didn't even make his bed <laughs> legendary producer is what i like to say uh you, you know make your bed longer uh, i'll always uh you know what i'll always be there for for my canadian family uh good bad or ugly by the way yeah you're on the set of the 70s show yes <laughs> this, this is uh my mom's upstairs kitchen where you know yeah where you grew up I grew it's up. great. We love, we love it. All right, Victor. So, um, <laughs> back to the Canadian soccer situation right now. The general secretary, we thought we had a general secretary, didn't yeah. work out for whatever reason. Um, I'm assuming you know that the search is, is is going on right now. Is it alluring the right kind of people? Do you think? I mean, is it a good sell that job in Canadian soccer right now? Yeah, you know, I always like to take a step back, and I, I guess because of where I am, you know, I haven't been in Canadian soccer. I left in 2017. Uh, as president and obviously went on to to this you know uh, i know that it's sometimes hard for us to think oh my god you know these labor issues and and whatever else uh the reality is is that compared to where we were pre-2012 um we're in a lot better place as a nation and a football nation we had nothing man zero uh, i i know people even talk about things oh we didn't know from a business perspective we had zero and 
you know, after 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 you know we've started a league, obviously, we've uh, obviously our national teams have done well on on the field. The, our players are going on to greener pastures, both on the men's and the women's side. Um, you know, I, I hope that this women's league is around the corner, right? And uh, you know, I've talked to Diana a few times, and she's got my you know unconditional support, and she knows that. And so. You know, I think we're in a position a lot better than we were. And so maybe we're not a Ferrari, but we're definitely a BMW from a footballing perspective. Whereas, you know, 10, 12, 10 plus years ago, even more than that, um, you know, we were not even a Fiat. And so we have a, a hell of an opportunity um, to do some great things. Uh, I think we need to, I think it, it requires leadership on all fronts not just at the CSA. It requires leadership everywhere. Uh, we need to stop. Uh, we need to st solve our problems as a family, not outside the family. Um, you know, some of your peers in the media don't really care about our sport. They just care about the, the tweets and the likes and the and the, and thing. I wouldn't talk to some of those people if they were the last person on earth hmm. because I love this sport so much. I'm here because I know you love the sport. All right. And um, and so I think we need to take a different attitude, get in the room, solve the issues. Um, and they're not easy conversations. I, I, you know, I don't know what all the issues are, but solve them and uh, and get on with it, because I think we're in a position to grow the game on the men's side, on the women's side. And obviously, as an industry in itself, the reason why we created the Canadian Premier League uh, whenever it was created six, five, six years ago, wasn't about just the men's players. It was one to forge the ground to, to hopefully have a women's. Uh, and I know that you know, some of our cities have knocked on the door of the NWSL and stuff, which would have been great back then. I don't know now if it makes economic sense or not. That that's up to them. Obviously, you know uh, uh, now there's people that want to do a women's league, which is great. We need to support that, but it's also to create an industry, coaches, administrators. Uh, media people, right? Keep going. It's to create our own industry. So why are we scrapping with each other? Like, you know, if, if you're a player and after you play, you want to work in the business, I would hope, right? So be cognizant of that. It's not about it's not about today. It's about tomorrow, right? And and everybody's got to think about that. Players, administrators, leaders. So get in the room and figure that out, right? And 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 I think. That's been the problem that everybody's been shouting at clouds and shouting at each other a little bit rather than getting in the room and saying, hey, hold on. We wear the same jersey. Let's not forget that. Uh, we wear the same jersey and it's time to get in the room and talk about it. And there's issues, of course. Like, like any federation in the world, there's issues. You know, there's 211 countries. You think we're unique because we're Canada? We're not. But like anybody else. We just got to figure it out. So does yeah. World Football know this, Victor? Sorry, sorry, um, does, does World Football does World Football know this? Are they aware that there's a position available at Canada? Yeah, with yeah there's I, potential. And I think so. The, yeah, I think yeah. so. I think, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, there's people that are aware. Obviously, we're hosting the World Cup, so a little bit more of a spotlight. Uh, I think they're aware that a there's a general secretary position open, and there's a men's head coach position possibly open because you know uh, Mauro has an interim tag, but. You know, so there's that too as well, right? Um, obviously, Bev just got re-up, so you know she's there for another uh, whatever three or four years. I can't remember what the re-up was. You're 27. Is it 27? Okay. Um, and so you know, great. She's done a great job, and you know, and uh, she's got a very uh, busy summer, right? Starting with the W Gold Cup and then the Olympics. So you know, obviously, a lot to do there. Um, so yeah, I think. Listen, I, I just think it's time that you know people start. Uh, it, it, to me, it's always, and I keep saying this, but it's, and people think it's just a, 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 like a saying, but it really, when you say football first, it really means that when something comes onto your desk, you got to think what's important here, right? Is it important? For, is this the right decision for the game? It might not be the right decision, by the way, for the federation. It might not be the right decision for the players. It might not be the right decision for me, but is it the right decision for the game? If it's the right decision from the game, that's how you make it. And, and to me, if you do that, you'll actually probably by the end of, you know, your career or your end of your term, you've probably made more right decisions than wrong decisions. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You were talking before about building an industry yeah. and, I, and talking about franchises and markets that were interested in joining the NWSL and now project yeah, is, is around the corner. Ago. No, yeah. no, you're right. There, there were absolutely uh, bids made and kind of almost got it over the line. But I think now we're at the point where we have to nourish that ecosystem. It has to be Canadian led and then for the development of Canadians and then um, sort of spring or jumping off of that, like from your perspective in CONCACAF now and talking about the women's game, how, I know that you don't, have, have a say really in how federations treat their women's teams. But what is the biggest challenge for you as a confederation wanting your teams to do well? We saw Jamaica perform really well, make it to the round of 16 at the Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand, but it was in spite of conditions um, that the Jamaican Football Federation was putting them in. Um, so how, from your standpoint as, as president of CONCACAF, what's your biggest challenge in that regard? Yeah, I mean, we have a W strategy, uh, and so at a confederation level, it's going really well. Obviously, Karina was my first um, leader in that field, and she's gone on to Portland to great success there. And, and now, actually, and I'll give you an example. So when I hired Karina, she was the head of women's football. When she left, I actually we actually expanded that and hired three women <laughs> rather than one. So competitions, because now it's more. It's not just about women in isolation. It's about football and. Women that play football, right? And so we've been, we've had that tipping point at Concacaf, right? Um, with respect to my federations, we help everywhere we can. I mean, we were helping Jamaica where we could with Haiti, who needs a tremendous amount of help. Um, you know, a lot of that, though, Amy, um, whether we like it or not, is cultural, societal. Um, conversations are different when you go into certain countries. When you when you talk about women's football, and I'm not saying that's right, I'm just telling you what it is. And so we need to chip away at that and make them understand. Hey, listen, this is, and I think the real carrot is, is the football carrot. If you say this is about football, because they speak that language, right? Mm -hmm. It's always been spoken in one context, which is the the men's game in that particular country. But if you can get them on the hook about the football. And showing them how, you know, listen, there's some countries I personally think their women's team can be top 10 in the world and their men's team will never be top 10 in the world. And so you got to show them that that actually could trip, that could actually massively help A, your country and B, actually could help your, your men's team too, by the way. Mm -hmm. Right. So you have to have strategies to say, if you just go in and say, listen, you know, this is wrong, this is wrong, then they're just going to tune you out. So I think it's it's having those right conversations, understanding each reality of each federation, and really supporting as much as you can them, and obviously helping uh, people within the, the women's game in that country. So, you know, and I think we've had some successes there. Panama's one, for instance. Uh, they didn't even have a women's program. You know, Central America was always about Costa Rica. Watch out for Guatemala, by the way. Mm. They're coming. Yes. Yeah. Right? And I think Honduras is a sleeping giant there. Uh, great athletes, uh, but again, it's changing that dynamic, right? And uh, and uh, and with Jamaica, I agree with you. Um, you know, they're. I mean, they could be a top eight country in the world. I mean, they arguably have the best player in Concacaf. Mm -hmm. I, I think Bunny's. You know, if I said Bunny Shaw is the best player in Concacaf, I would take that argument any day of the week. 
She's yeah. a fantastic player. Should have told the and, voters for FIFA Best Awards. Right. Wow. Don't even get me going. On no, that I know I won't. Uh, I remember 2012 going crazy when our number 12 should have been best player in the world then. She was just yeah. at a different level. And, you know, I can't remember who won it in 2012, but I'm like, you, you know, so, but that's a different, that's a different, we can do a podcast on that one alone. But you're right. I think this is where I think, you know, the growth of the game is in our confederation and quite honestly, globally, mm. because these issues happen in other confederations in, in even in Europe, in certain parts of Europe, Africa, South America, Asia, right? But, you know, I was really impressed. Actually, I was in Saudi and I went to a Saudi league game, women's league. Wow. Wow. Were there, were there any women allowed to watch the women's Saudi league? Yeah. Oh, good. There's, there's been a big change there. Now, I'm not making a statement about what, how, what, but I was pleasantly surprised of the, uh, I'll give you an example. The federation itself, 35% of the employees, women. Mm. That's, that's more than Western European federations. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a, let's put it this way. I think they're trying whether, you know, I know some people will say, well, I won't, don't think that comment's sincere. From what I can see, they're, they're sincere about it. Now, I'm not going to comment on laws and all that kind of stuff. That's mm. that's not our job as footballers and football people is to stay in our lane with football. Like, you know, too much of the world thinks we're going to solve everybody's problems. Like, like I'm not going to do that, right? No, you're not going to do that. But if we can, if we can move the needle with our sport, then we need to do that. Vic, with this massive growth we've seen in the women's game and the competition and the World Cups every four years getting better and better, how does Canada and what does Canada do to stay in the top 10 because the competition is getting great and some of these leagues around the world and countries are taking it serious? I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Spain really didn't give a shit about it. And now all of a sudden they're the world champions and playing incredible football. How yeah. do we maintain that? How do we stay up with our quality to be uh, continually to to challenge for trophies? You know, the good thing is, listen, you know, the, one of the best kept secrets in Canada is League One, right? Mm -hmm. League One Ontario. I don't know what the one in Quebec is called. It's, it's League One Quebec. But League I think, One Quebec now, yeah. Oh, is it called League One? It used to be PLSQ and now it's League okay, One Quebec. That's yep. what I remember it as. So I'm old though. So, <laughs> so now you have League One uh, uh, British Columbia, right? And it's a great league. And there's a lot of players that come out of that league that move on. In fact, it's probably top five leagues in CONCACAF, okay, mm -hmm. from a women's perspective. Um, and so that's a great base for us to, to go to the next level. So we need to continue doing that with, with, with a league like League One, bringing, bringing our players through the youth system into sort of those professional environments and standards, and then obviously to the next level. And then our top players, no different than the men's side, need to go to, you know, let's be honest, they need to go to the top teams, whether it be in Europe or, or in WSL. And so if you can keep doing that uh, and, and having a strategy where your youth players, for instance, are playing here in, in League One and obviously the next year, when hopefully we can lay that on top of that. And then our better players are, have that international exposure to playing with interna big international clubs. I think that system will build, it, build itself very well. I think it's better, to be honest with you, uh, and I understand that, you know, I'm not saying you don't go get a, you don't get an education, but the NCAA system is, you know, both for the girls and the boys side, it's okay. It's not, it doesn't produce international top players, but maybe there's a way to work with that, right? So because I think the CPL figured that out with some jurisdiction with uh, university, with the youth sport thing. So I think we could do that on the women's side as well. Mm -hmm. So obviously, because not every player is going to be Jesse Fleming, and we know that. But maybe you have a, a professional career, but also you have that education in your, in your back pocket as well. So I think if, if you can sit down and strategize and lay that foundation and lay that pyramid, I, I think it would serve as well for the next whatever World Cups. Because with, with all due respect to, you know, Sophie and Christine and and, and now Jesse, 
Well, I got to listen. There's a there's a Christine playing somewhere here, right now. She's probably six, seven years old. They're there. We have them, but, but we have to water them, you know, fertilize it, nurture it, and then let it go. Right? But they're there. I honestly believe that. Is uh, is traditional broadcast? Is that part of the solution here, or is is that ship sailed? As landscape changes so much with broadcast, we're seeing with the Apple deal and MLS, for example. Yeah. Globally, everything's changing so much. I mean, fast forward five years. I know you, you've been pretty critical of of mainstream broadcast media in Canada for for a while and their lack of support for for Canadian football, any kind of soccer, quite frankly. Um, is the future lying beyond those borders? It's interesting because a lot of the major sports now are, are, are making some noise about getting into the business and going themselves then they're you know creating media companies as leagues for instance there's that a lot of that noise in the market uh, you know it's it's that balance right you want that exposure you get on you know your whatever cable package for your for your properties right so that you can go to your sponsors and go oh, you know, we're there um, but in the same token, you know, a lot of these linear channels or digital channels have come in with a bit of cash. And it's hard to, if you're a property, to say no to that, right? So it's creating that balance, right? You know, the reality of the, the Canadian media market is, you know, it, it's not a massive market to start with, right? Compared to our you know, sisters and brothers in the South. Um so it might make that decision a little easier if you're a league in terms of the digital versus the traditional way. So I, I think, you know, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I think there's parallel paths here, which one ultimately wins. And now you're seeing broadcasters hedge their bets too, because they all have digital platforms, right? Whether it's Peacock or uh, Tubi or whatever, right? So they're going, okay, all right, we better, you know, get in the game, but which way are we going? I mean, I heard an unbelievable number for uh, the Chiefs and the Bills um, divisional playoff on Peacock, uh, like with 32 million or something. And they charge in the U.S. So if you wanted to watch that game, you have to pay whatever it was, I don't know, nine ninety nine or whatever. That's a lot of money for one game, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's what I mean. Like, depending, I guess – what your product is and what you want. So it's, it's, it's an interesting time. Let's, let's say the least. You're mute, Greg. Stacks, you're mute. Stacks, you're mute. <laughs> oh, he, you should have let him keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, Jimmy. Good question. <laughs> I was just waiting. I want the whole thing to go. I'm so glad you asked that for us. Yeah, really <laughs> good. Now I forgot what I was going to No, I was going to say, <laughs> Copa America is coming to the United States. Talking about the media standpoint, how does the rights work for that? Who produces it? Does Coma Ball have anything to do with that side of things uh, with this uh, upcoming Copa America in the U.S.? <laughs> Did you get it? Well played. Well played. Loud and clear. <laughs> no, this is um, – so Copa America uh, is played in the U.S. this summer. It's a uh, – a joint venture done by CONCACAF and Commonwealth. Um, uh, they uh, they wanted to play, you know, I said, okay, let's, you know, we've been talking about a few years about it. So in essence, six of our teams will compete in the 16-team tournament, all 10 of theirs. Um, we are doing the back shop, I guess, of the tournament. Like, in essence, it's really, it's like a Gold Cup, but it's just called Copa America. Uh, so we're the ones running the stadiums, the ticketing, all that stuff. So we're doing all the back shop. Common Ball obviously will do, the, you know, the, the they'll make decisions because it's their tournament. But a lot of the broadcasting was already sold before we even entered into an agreement. So all their media rights are sold. A lot of their sponsorship was sold. So that was already baked in. Um, and so, uh, and then obviously they handle the protocol, you know, like, you know, the, who gives a trophy away. And obviously it's, it's their trophy. So it'll be the presidents of common ball so um but it's a joint venture and uh for us it's great uh both obviously on the commercial side uh, for us but also on the football side because six of our countries are going to get a great experience two years before uh the world cup and let's hope that uh you know from a canadian perspective obviously they're hoping that uh they do well against trinidad but uh but it's, it's in front of them right 
Yeah, Victor. I guess you've got to be careful there, right, Victor? Next yeah. March, you've got to be careful what you're no, saying. No, listen, <laughs> uh, listen, Trinidad's a great story. It's been a normalization community uh, for four years. Uh, they've really, they got hit the most out of the corruption, and they've done a great job. And listen, you know what? They have every opportunity to beat Canada, I think. Um, it, it's, it, they can go toe-to-toe. they got some good players. Uh, maybe not as household as they were before with the Dwight Yorks of the world. But uh, I think Trinidad's come a long way. And I think they're going to come out of normalization soon. And uh, I think Trinidad will be a force to reckon with in this confederation for the next sort of cycle here. Victor, we see, um, we've seen in the past World Cups that have been in Brazil, uh, been in South America. The, the infrastructure really didn't support everything that they've, that they've built. They've got these stadiums that have been left behind. And we've seen over the past World Cups in North America have been successful. Uh, international friendlies continue to come to North America because they are successful selling out these stadiums. <laughs> stadiums are in place. Infrastructure is here. Do you see one day that maybe North America will be the, uh, the will host World Cups for the future rather than it gets spread around the world? That it's an interesting it's an interesting question because I think it's something I think FIFA needs to look at uh, because there's some realities now. Uh, I think Qatar will likely be the last World Cup hosted by one country, uh, just because. You want to spread the wealth. It's an easier ask to your government for certain things if you're if you don't have the whole thing. Um, and also, I think from a nation building standpoint and being a good neighbor, it's great. You know, you go to your neighbor, and say, "Hey, let's share in this, right?" And and so and you're seeing that with the women's World Cup, right? Germany, Belgium, and Holland um, are co-host or want to co-host it. You know, Germany held the women's World Cup right in 2011, right? Yeah, 2011. No problem, right? And they have the infrastructure. But the point is, I think, you know, together with your neighbor, it's a much more pleasant experience probably, right? And it, and it builds those diplomatic relationships. You know, from a from an event management strategy standpoint, I think it's important maybe FIFA, and I've said this before, looks at perhaps ensuring that, you know, out of five World Cups over 20 years, uh, that there's a balance between going to developing nations to develop the sport, but also ensuring that it's in areas where you have some, you know, certainty of the market, right? Because at the end of the day, the World Cup is about making money. We're not a charity, all right? Because what do we do with the money? We give it to all the countries. You know, 75, 80% of the money at FIFA goes back to the member associations, 211. Out of the 211 members, I would say easy 60%, if not more, would have no money, no budget for football in their country if it wasn't for FIFA. Because there is no media, there is no sponsors, there is no, you know, there's no way to generate significant money to propel the sport in that country. So there's a significant amount of countries that without FIFA money, there's no football. Zero. Uh, or fo- in an organized way. Um, and so, you know, it's imperative that we make money because it just goes back to the 211 members. Well, Victor, um, 45 minutes in, there's always many more questions. Uh, any more on the panel you want to get to here before we say farewell? Or shall we shall we let Victor back to his, his cooking? Do you think it's too late? Is it too late for us, Vic, to, to make our national team for 26? Well, I don't know, buddy. I think, uh, you know, I think, I think if we go on a probiotics, uh, maybe, we, maybe we sign up for one of these weight loss things. Um, we, we might have a chance, mate. I want to know more about your, your five-a-side game. What's your bread and butter? Uh, my, foot, and so we play five-a-side. It's, it's like a futsal, right? Okay. And it's with a lot of, you know, most of the players are guys that have played you know, back in the day, NASL, national team, um, and then some of our friends too. And it's great because uh, we go there and it's an hour. Um, the first few minutes is, you know, laughs and giggles. And then as soon as the goal goes in, it's like, hey, can you cup there, man? What are you doing? Right? <laughs> and then it really gets going. Uh, and then after that, we head next door and we have a coffee and catch up. 
and talk all things football 99% of the time. And so it's great. It's a great uh, little, and if you're ever in Vancouver, you're invited to come play. I thought you were going to say after 20 minutes, you're breathing out your ass. No, 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 no. <laughs> You know, e e listen, even in a 20 by, you know, 20 area, you know how to pace yourself. <laughs> Speak for no yourself. No tracking, baby. There's no tracking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Vic, thanks so much for this, mate. Really appreciate it. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure. We'll get you on again. Uh, obviously, yeah. so much happening right now. As, uh, despite the, the backdrop of negativity in many regards, there's obviously also a lot of hope as well and yeah. exciting times the next yeah. two and a half years or so, whatever it is. Yeah, there is. And listen, I think in the end, we can't forget that we all, like I said, we all wear the same jersey. We may have differences of opinions, but uh, we all wear the same jersey, and that's the most important thing when we all walk on the pitch together. Whatever that pitch is, whether it's a real football pitch or it's a boardroom or whatever, we can never forget that. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Really enjoy Take care. This. Thanks, yeah. Vic. Cheers, Thanks, guys. Victor. Thank you. That is, that is Victor Montaliani, CONCACAF President, FIFA Vice President. Interesting stuff. Um, Dubs, did you get all the questions in? <laughs> I reserved some. Them? I thought you were going to get to a 2027 question at some point, for sure. <laughs> I almost blurted it out. <laughs> Wait a second. But did there's he... three bids of multiple did... countries. Yeah, didn't did he say something like that we didn't know? No. No. Oh. No. It's still Brazil, US and About Mexico three bits and of then multiple Belgium. countries for each bid. Yeah. But I think Sharms you're lagging now. I think there's something going on with your internet. Netherlands. <laughs> Netherlands, Belgium, Germany are the joint European bid. <laughs> yeah. Still no host. All right, well, that was enjoyable though. Still no. It host. was. So on its way though, but it does. Oh, I am lagging, aren't I? Significantly. Yeah. Okay. How about Dubs? How about you take over the the, the hosting um, chops here and, and say farewell till tomorrow because I'm way off. <laughs> you just did. <laughs> farewell till tomorrow. Hope you enjoyed the bonus episode. Cheers for listening. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> this episode of Footy Prime has been brought to you by Fubo TV and by Tony Bat. Make sure to subscribe to Footy Prime wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Footy underscore Prime and on Instagram at Footy Prime IG. Great one, Good. guys. Charms. That's a Can you uh, yeah. do the write-up? I've got to jump over to this guy who's in my house still. Thank you, <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.